Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. I'm Tim Blevins, lead pastor, and I'm honored you have come to join us. To experience our full service or for more information, check out the links in the description. I hope this message ministers to you and helps you find life in Jesus. Come on. How good is our God? Woo! So excited. Well, that's a great, great progress report. And obviously, we're all very excited about that. And soon as we know when the renovation project actually begins, I will let you know. Hopefully, I'm giving you an update in weeks to let you know when we begin and we will get to go to a brand new place. And listen, I'm really, I'm grateful for here, right? I, I'm so glad that God has provided a place for us, but this isn't our dream home. We're ready for what God has for us. So can I get an amen out of that? Amen. Also, I wanna remind you of our courageous campaign. If you were with us in the spring, we launched a building campaign, a fundraising campaign to help pay for this project. and. The land is obviously going to be a significant part of paying for the project, but what the Courageous Campaign will do is will allow us to buy all of the equipment that goes in that building. So as an example, right now you are sitting on plastic chairs and we're grateful for those chairs, but we're gonna fund us getting chairs with a little bit of padding on the backside of that. Yeah, hallelujah, come on. So we'll be grateful for that. but. If you think about everything that goes into a building that's not part of construction, so all the AV equipment, the, the, everything to do with in the auditorium that you see and look at and feel, um, coffee equipment, amen to that. Um, we have you know sofas and things that are in the, the lobby area. Our kids' spaces, they have TVs and they have cribs and they have toys and they have tables and everything that takes care of them office furniture, everything. So all the way through all of the furniture, everything that's inside that building is what our Courageous Campaign is paying for. So we would love for you to stay faithful to that campaign. It's important because we all want to go in with everything that we, we hope for when we get there. Um, if we don't raise it all, listen, I'm grateful. We've got chairs, so we're good. We're going either way, but we would love to take the step forward. Can I get an amen? Amen. So good days ahead. Good days ahead. Today, I want to uh, take us into a, a topic that is, is kind of a, I'm going to just say a deeper topic for, for us, for me, but I want to help us find hope through depression and anxiety. Can you pray with me as we get started? Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for our building and, and the progress, the, the exciting news of, of getting the all, the, all of the uh, approvals from the city and, and the bank and, and all the pieces that, that come together. Thank you for a contractor. And, and so, Lord, there's so much we're excited about. We thank you. Father, in this moment, though, I believe there is a, a need for us to talk about depression and anxiety, mental health. And I ask that you'd use some of my story to help bring hope to this church body. And so, Lord, I want you to know that we love you. And we are so grateful for you, for Jesus who saves us, Jesus who redeems us, Jesus who gives us hope. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I want to be real today for just a little bit. Uh, maybe a little less than, maybe, you know, sometimes I'm preachy and I love to get excited. And 
today I want to take us into a season where I had some level of depression, but probably really high anxiety in my life. And, and to be honest with you, I can't believe it happened to me. It, it, it didn't fit my, you know, how I, I saw myself. But in the spring of 2021, about a year and a half ago, I woke up middle of the night with chest pains and some numbness in my left arm. And I went to see my doctor and and after running some tests, he kind of made me mad, to be honest with you. I did not like his diagnosis because he said, well, I've, I've checked out everything. And he said, I think you're having anxiety attacks. And I said, well, are you kidding me? I'm like, I'm not having anxiety attacks. I'm like, I told him, I said, I'm the happiest person you're going to meet all day. I'm optimistic. I'm unashamedly optimistic. I, I'm just, I'm glass half full. And I, I said, that can't be. I said, my marriage is, is great and, and I exercise. And I said, and doctor, you need to know, I'm a Christian. And more than that, I'm a pastor. I can't be having anxiety attacks. And so my doctor said, well, that's my professional opinion. And I said, all right. So I left the doctor and thought I would press on and maybe just go away or whatever. But I didn't improve. As a matter of fact, at like the exact same time every night, I would wake up with this overwhelming sense of pain and, 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 and stress and my heart would be pounding so hard, racing. And it freaked me out every night. I would get up and I would go into the living room and, and I didn't want to bother Harriet. And so I would... I would go in there to try to distract my mind, to try to just get through those dark hours of night. And some of you've been there, you know, when you're up at 2 a.m. and you're just trying to get through, I was doing everything I could to kind of get through the night. I was, I was you know, playing games. I was watching TV. I was, you know, scrolling social media, which never helps. And, you know, then from time to time, I actually prayed. I'm like, Lord, you know, get me through this. And, and there were some long bouts through the night and I wasn't sleeping. Of course, if you're not sleeping, then, you know, that just accentuates the problems. And, and then the issues began to escalate from nighttime to daytime. And I remember I was sitting at First Watch, a little restaurant around the corner. And so this is back when we were, we were doing the recordings on Wednesday for online church. And and we were back in, in church, but it was, it was you know, kind of in that where we're trying to do a little bit of both. And I was sitting in first watch before I came over to do the recording. And while I'm sitting there, I felt this, this feeling of my heart just amp up, pounding in my chest. And then I noticed my, my hands were shaking. And I was like, Lord, something is really wrong. If this is like really taking over my life and other symptoms began to, to, to surface in my life. For some reason, I began to have these regular nosebleeds that were just outrageous. And so I was, I was panicky, freaking out, you know, what's going on? So I called my doctor back and asked to see a cardiologist, which they did. And I went through every possible heart test you could have all the eco everythings and 
every test kept coming back that, that I was fine. My heart was fine. And, and I kept hearing this over and over. And they would say, well, for a man your age, you're really in good physical shape. And, and so I would laugh like, you don't have to say it like that. You know, just, just tell me I'm in fine shape, you know, for a man your age. I'm like, the only thing we really discovered through all of it was that I had extremely high blood pressure. And of course, I was thinking, well, of course I'm having high blood pressure. I, I'm freaking out every night, you know, like something is wrong. And, and so they helped me find some, some meds that were helpful for blood pressure and began to take some of those. But I, I continue to have the, the issues in my life. And I remember one night where it was probably looking back, one of the darkest nights. And this was a night that I, I didn't think I was going to get through. I, I actually thought I was going to die. So I made this, this if I die list document and I laid it out so Harriet could find it if I wasn't still living. I mean, it, I was in a spot. I wanted to be able to get into whatever financial things we had to, to figure out how to move forward. And I wanted to provide my best. And it was a, it was a hard time. Many friends around me were trying to be helpful. You, I can't tell you how many bottles of CBD oil I received. <laughs> there was a time I thought, I need to go further to the source than just the CBD oil. <laughs> I might need a trip to Colorado or something, you know, to solve this problem. But I'm kidding, everyone. I'm kidding. Somewhere in the process with my cardiologist, he said, you're fine. He said, I think you're having anxiety attacks. I was like, yeah. So I called a, a mentor of mine, Pastor Greg Surratt in Charleston, South Carolina. And he's, he pastors a large church. And I, I just wanted to get some advice and some prayer for someone that I looked up to. And so I called him and I'm like, here's what's going on in my life. And I began to share with him. And he, he began to ask some questions about the pace of ministry, the, the weight that I'm carrying with ministry and the cares and the concerns. And, and we went through all of that. And he began to ask me about my emotional um, state. My, I've been resting and all of that. And, and after the conversation, he said, well, son, he said, I think you're on the brink of burnout or breakdown. And he said, you need to make some changes in your life. And he said, I think you're having some anxiety attacks. <laughs> like, all right, three times. You know, I really, really wanted to be that Superman pastor. I, I didn't want to be in that situation. I wanted to be the, the pastor full of faith that stood on the platform and said, you can get through it. But, but there was a moment in there, I was like, can I? Like, can I, I don't even know if I can declare it to you if I can't even figure it out in my own life. And, and I was dealing with some levels of depression and unlevel, unhealthy levels of stress-induced anxiety in my life. And I share this with you today because sadly, there are a lot of you who can relate right now. I'm not the only one that's journeyed through some of this where outwardly I was showing up on Sunday and I was smiling and shaking your hand, but inwardly I knew something was not right. 
I knew I was struggling inside. And some of you might be there. Some of you might be in a place where you think, I just can't handle the stress right now. And if you find yourself there today, I want to talk to you about this topic and find some hope as I have through depression and anxiety. And I want you to know I'm not a doctor. I can't bring you a, a doctor's diagnosis. I'm a pastor. I've researched this. I have studied and I've found some things that have helped me in my life. And I want to pass those things along to you today to help you find a better place. And so a couple books I want to pass on to you that might be helpful to you. I read this book uh, when I was on sabbatical, but it was uh, by John Eldridge called Get Your Life Back. And it's a great Christian author, and I would highly recommend this book. And so it's amazing. The other book I want to recommend to you is called The Depression Cure by Stephen S. Iliardi, who is a doctor and um, not a Christian author that I'm aware of, but um, he had some amazing things to help us process through some difficult days in our life. And, and so I'm passing on to you some of what I've read so, and some of what I experienced, but some of what I've just learned. And here's some things that I want to share with you that depression and anxiety and mental health are all on the rise in America and around the world. In, in Iliardi's book, he says this. He says that human beings were never designed for the poorly nourished, sedentary, indoor, sleep-deprived, socially isolated, frenzied pace of the 21st century life. And he said, we just weren't designed to carry life that way. And, and we are. I mean, that, that, is the, that is where we are today. And then on top of that, there's, there's, there's some other things that I'm adding in that, that I think are adding to the, a broken soul and, 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 and mental health. And, and one of the things is just information overload right now. We're just in information overload. There's constant programming of bad news. Just constant. It's just that's what they, they give us is the bad news. And, and if you're like me, you start carrying that, thinking, well, I got to do something about it. And, and it weighs. Constant barrage of bad news. Then there's cell phone connectivity. Wow, you are connected now at all times. Texting. Texting is, is great because it's instant. It's terrible because they know it's instant. Someone sends you a text and they are like, hey, text me back. You know, listen, I long for the days when the phone was on the wall and there was, a, there was an ability to not answer that thing. Whew. You remember, some of you remember, some of you younger people are like, what are you talking about? Uh, listen, there was a day when the phone was actually on the wall and we had this long spirally cord and, and you, the longer it was, we had one so long you could take it from the kitchen and get all the way to the couch and sit and talk on the phone. Anybody else have that long one? And then the modern technology, I love this. They came up with the voice um, recording. What am I trying to say? Hey, I, answer machine. Yeah, that's how long. An answer machine. And you know what you did with an answer machine. So someone would call and, you know, you'd have your little outgoing voice. You know, thank you for calling Tim and Harriet's house. We're so glad you called. We're not home right now, um, but please leave a message at the beep. And so beep. And so what you would do is you'd sit there and listen. And if it's somebody you want to talk to, you go, oh, how are you? If it wasn't, you'd hang up. I miss those days because someone sends me a text now and they're like, well, I sent you a text. Do you know if you don't text somebody back in like 12 hours, you feel like you have to apologize. Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I just want to give you permission 
that it's okay to not text somebody back. It's okay. And let me tell you, sometimes if you text me, some of you have my number and I love you and I'm glad you have my number. I don't give it out much anymore, but because I don't text back very good. Some of you know I'm a terrible texter. But the reason I'm a terrible texter is sometimes I'm playing with my family board games and I really don't care what you texted. Ooh, is that okay? Did your pastor just say I don't care? I do care, but I, I, listen, there's a time. Then you have on your phone notifications. Beep. Or Twitter, Twitter, or whatever it is. And, and, and all of a sudden you think, oh, I gotta do something, I gotta do something. Listen, the phone is running your life. Social media, the comparison thing. There are reels out there of everybody's great moments and God bless their great moments. But there's a whole lot of moments that aren't so great, they're not posting. And what happens is you see their great moments, you're like, look at that kitchen. Our kitchen doesn't look that good. Look at that blender. They've got one of those high-tech blenders that you can throw a bunch of vegetables in and it turns out to be soup. Wow, I gotta have one of those. Then you go spend money on something you didn't have the money for, but you gotta keep up. And let me just tell you real serious, right now, the, the level of stress, depression, and anxiety in our middle schoolers and high schools is a pandemic of its own because they are connected and they are, they are wanting to be liked. They're wanting to be seen. They are just in a, a place of, of lack of real relationship and it's killing our younger generation. Social media. Also, it's, have you noticed how combative it is? Like it's, it's, a, it's a battle now. Like you post something and somebody's got an anti something about it and they'll tell you about it online. Now they'd never tell you in your face, but online, well, they're bold, man. They're bold as lions online. It's combative. So, it, so what does that do? It, it, it injures your soul along the way. It's brain numbing. How many of you ever scrolled for an hour and then looked up and thought, well, I hadn't even watched the TV show I was watching. I haven't been with the person sitting beside me on the couch. Cultural pressures, identity confusion is, is, is troubling. Studies are showing that, that kids who are, who are being transitioned in some way are more depressed because they're, they're outside of their God-given identity and it's depressing. Somehow they know it on the inside. There's, there's division everywhere. Cultural tensions and and there's division between, you know, from politics to, to everything. I mean, we could get divided over what kind of coffee you like. That's our world. And it's, it's, it's hurting people on the inside right now. In my opinion, mental health may be the most significant health problem in the world. Research shows that depression and anxiety are 10 times higher now than 50 years ago. Antidepressant medications have significantly increased by 300%. And it's very sad. So sad. And unfortunately, there's, a, there's this stigma around mental health. There, there's something that, that people feel ashamed if, they, if they're having some kind of a mental health problem. They, they feel there's a stigma to it. And unfortunately, 
it's probably pretty prevalent in the church as well. We don't want people to know that's the issue in our life. And if you're taking notes, I want you to hear me on this, that good Christians can struggle with mental health. Pastors can struggle. No, no, good pastors. Amen. Can struggle with mental health. You know, no one thinks less of me. If I came up to somebody and said, dude, man, my high blood pressure is out of control. You know, you'd be like, oh man, I'm so sorry. I pray for you. I came up and said, man, my mental health right now, I'm, I'm having anxiety to feel like, wow, I don't know. what." It's a walk back. And we can't be that way. Do you know that the stigma around mental health is actually a work of the devil? Because if the devil can convince you to hold it in, keep it to yourself, never seek help, never ask for prayer, then he'll defeat people all along the way. And, and listen, church, we can't be that church. You can't be hurting on the, in, uh, hurting on the inside and smiling on the outside. You're going to have to seek some help with this. And, and listen, church, I want you to know that, that mental health does not make you a second-class Christian. It does not. When I was struggling, I made an appointment with a trained counselor. And seeking help is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. And the Bible's not silent. God's not silent on this issue. Matter of fact, I want to read you two of God's great heroes of the Bible who struggled with some levels of, of depression, some levels of anxiety. Maybe we'd call it mental health for sure. One of those people I'll bring up first is the, the prophet named Jeremiah. Some of you may have heard of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet in the Old Testament, one of God's, God's giant leaders and he wrote a whole book about it, about depression. He, he labeled it Lamentations, lamenting about the pains of his life. He wrote this in Lamentations 3.17. He says, I have been deprived of peace. In other words, he's saying the, the peace, in my, the troubles in my life, I, I, peace is gone. I've been deprived. And then he said, I have forgotten what prosperity is. He, he's not talking about financial prosperity. He's talking about the prosperity of the Lord in his life. He's, talking, he's saying that I've forgotten about the goodness of God and the victories of God. I've forgotten about all the times God has rescued me and the Israelites. He's like, I've forgotten all of that. He said, my splendor is gone. He said, all that I'd hoped from the Lord. I mean, he was down. Instead of thinking about God and His splendor, look at what it says. It says in verse 19, he said, I remembered. So instead of remembering God, he said, I remembered my affliction. I remembered my wandering. I remembered my bitterness and the gall. In other words, he was, he was playing in his mind over and over his problems and his pains and his negativity. He was, he was processing it. In the book by Iliardi, Iliardi, he calls it ruminations, ruminating. In other words, he's, 
you're thinking about something over and over and over and you, you get this negative thought and you just think it and you think it and you think it and, and you stay on it. And he relates it to a cow who chews its food, thinks it, swallows it, and then you know what a cow does. It back up and then he chews it again, ruminating. And we do that, we think, swallow and let me tell you, every time you bring it back up, it's that gross. It's that hurtful in your life. We ruminate. He was ruminating on the bad things Jeremiah was. And it says, as a result, he says, my soul is downcast within me. Isn't it? Wouldn't it be? My soul is downcast. Also, we see in the New Testament, the, the most prominent name of any of the author's Prominent secondary to, to Jesus alone. His name is Apostle Paul. And he wrote this. He said, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters. In other words, he said, I want you to know the condition I'm in right now. In some ways, I think he was saying, hey, I need some prayer warriors around my life. He said, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the troubles that we've experienced in the province of Asia. And he said, we were under great pressure. How many feel like culture brings great pressure? The issues of our life, the, the difficulties bring pressure. He said it's beyond our ability to endure. He said so that we despaired of life itself. Despair is like, I, I can't hope anymore in life itself. He had lost his hope. This is the apostle Paul who wrote over half the New Testament. And then he said this, he said, indeed we felt we had received the sentence of death. He felt that way. Now, Woe for me to correct the Apostle Paul. But I want you to know that feelings will lie to you. He felt he was going to die. He didn't die. He felt like it. He felt like he'd been given the sentence of death. And I want you to know that our feelings are real, but they're not truth. Please don't live by your feelings, church. I'm trying to help you today. Please don't live by, by the emotions of your life. Don't trust your feelings. Your feelings will, will go up and they'll go down based on whatever's happening around you. But we're, we're Christians and we rely on the truth of God's word. And his word says that his truth will set you free. And we want the freedom from depression. We don't want the, the bondages that our emotions will lead us into. The truth will set you free. So Paul, he felt like he had received that sentence of death and, and depression and anxiety and troubles and, and, and extreme pressures, they, they make you feel that way. But, but the truth is, and I want to share some truth with you today to, to give you hope in the middle of it. I want to share with you my journey that I walked through and, and church, it's 1222. And if you have to go at 1230, you can, but I'm going to run over about 10 minutes. I can already tell you right now, but it's important. I hope you'll just hang with me. I'm not a doctor. I told you that or a counselor, not a trained counselor. But my anxiety was triggered from a, a health crisis, from stress, and an exhausted brain. Preaching week in, week out is like writing a, a, a term paper every week and then having to come and stand in front of a bunch of people and present it. And then to have some people go, I don't like it. 
over and over and over and over, that exhausts the brain. I'm called to it and I'm grateful. My approach though to healing, to finding hope in the middle of it, I want to share it with you. And I took it out of the out of the Bible, this is my journey to healing. First Thessalonians 5, 23 through 24 says, May God himself, the God of peace, aren't you grateful that we have a God of peace? Sanctify you, how? Through, through and through, all the way. And may your whole spirit and your soul, that's where people are hurting, soul, and their body, be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. My approach involved three ways, my spirit, my soul, and my body. Let me share those with you. First, spirit. If you've been here for the last few weeks, I've talked about the necessity of coming to church. And one of the reasons church is so helpful is that we help people find hope through their dark days. Because when we come and we, we begin to, to worship our great God, what the words are doing is they're helping us focus on how big God is in the middle of our difficulties. And so when we begin to sing, like today we sang the song, it says there's, there's no power like the name of Jesus. And we're singing, there's no power. So you walk in with this, this big issue in your life and you're like, this is huge and I'm feeling the weight of it, but there's no power like the name of Jesus. And you sing it again, there's no power. And the name of Jesus starts getting bigger and bigger. And there's like this rotation in your mind where you start going, hey, I'm beginning to stand on faith and the name of Jesus rises above every problem we have, right? We worship. Listen, if you came in heavy, Shantae sang it so great. You're going to walk out up, right? I mean, because that's the power of his name. Prayer. Listen, I love prayer. I love the power of God. In a few, in about a month, we're going to preach about miracles and the power of God. And, and we're going to get there. But one of the things that I love about prayer is obviously God's power. But I love that, that you walk up to someone who genuinely cares about you. Like you're not in and alone. One of the best things you can do when you are walking through a heavy time is to have someone who cares stand in front of you and pray for you. The care matters. People matter in your life. So engage in church. Here's what I did though. Obviously church. I read my one year devotional Bible every day. Listen, I needed something just to lead me through. I didn't need a deep Bible study. I didn't need to study you know, the, the depths of, of Hebrew words. I just needed a Bible study that just said, hey, this is what the Bible says. And I just needed his word. So I read my one year Bible. I prayed the prayer of Jabez. We'd done a series on the prayer of Jabez. Some of you may remember that. And that became my prayer. There are some times when I'm in my prayer life, especially in that moment. And, and I didn't feel like I knew the right words to pray and, and I, I didn't feel like I was full of optimism and normally I am. And so in those moments, I just began to pray the prayer of Jabez. And if you're like, what is that? Well, go to 1 Chronicles 4, 9, 4, 9 and 10 and just, just let the word be your prayer. I practiced something called the five minute pause throughout the day. I learned this in, in the first book I mentioned from Eldridge and 
And the five minute pause is where you are going through your day and you sense that there's, there's a level of either anxiety or something or stress kind of starting to mount its way up. And, and you're like, all right, I got I to gotta take a little break. And I want you to know it's okay to take a little break. And so typically after a meeting or something, I would just slip outside our office and I would go out back. And, and what I would do is I would go out there for my five-minute break, a little five-minute pause. And, and I would go outside and I would just look at the sun and go, oh. Like, I would let some of that just wash off of me. I, I kind of did something. I don't know if it really helped, but somebody told me it might. So I was trying anything. But I took off my shoes and socks and I stood in the grass and the dirt because I thought maybe that'll do something extra. So, but I tried that. So, but while I was out there, though, I would, I would pray. I would say, God, in this five minutes, I breathe in. Lord, I let it go. And then I'd say, God, would you fill me afresh right now? Will you just, would you just re-energize me from the inside out for this moment? I'd take a deep breath and then I would go back in. Sometimes you just need a five-minute pause. It's a great practice. I tried that. The next thing I did is I began to detach from what belongs to God. You know, we, we carry things that, that we just can't carry all the time. And so at night, especially, I find my brain starting to race and, and I needed to detach. And, and so I would just literally say, God, that's not mine. I can't fix that. Like I would, I would like, God, I, I can't fix the White House right now. I'll work on that tomorrow. But right now I'm going to detach and let you handle it. And so I would, I would, I would just detach. And I, and I prayed this prayer over and over. You see it on the screen. I would say, God, I give you everything and everyone. When I would lay down at night and I put my head on the pillow and, and suddenly all the things I started trying to fix in my head, because that's when everything cranks up. And I would say, God, I got to detach from all that. And I would say, God, I give you everything. I give you my finances. I give you my church. I give you the, you know, everything. I just give it to you, God. I give you everyone, God. I, I trust you with my children. I trust you with, in every area. I just, and I, God, I got to have rest tonight. And so I, I identified my spirit life. Next, I went into my soul life. That's where you're, the inside of you. That's what was mainly broken. And I called a trained counselor. I said, I need some help. I'm grateful for a man named Doug Bullock. He was my counselor. He helped me learn how to think and process through pain. He, he taught me how to process through the, the moments where I felt betrayed or the moments where I felt like something negative had happened. And he helped me just process how to think. You know, the brain is a three pound lump of neural tissues. And, but it, it, it stores up all of these experiences in our life. And because our brain is, is complex, it, it doesn't it doesn't try to think about everything at one time. And so your brain will put a little tag on an experience. And so if you have a negative experience or a negative emotion, your brain will just tag it and then it'll park it somewhere. And then the next time you have some sort of a negative experience anywhere like it, your brain goes, oh, I tagged that. Let me bring that up too. 
And that's when we start ruminating. We start playing this, this whole scenario. Oh my goodness, that happened. And then all of a sudden we remember something that happened last week, last month, last year, 10 years ago. And we keep playing that because our brain has tagged it. And so we have to find ways to, to stop that, that pattern of ruminating over the negative things in our life. And so my brain was tired from the, the thoughts so my counselor, he began to teach me how to let go. And I've already shared with you some of that. The next thing he told me to do was to forgive and release every offense. He's like, make a list of every person and everything that you could ever imagine in your life that was, that was painful, negative, and any... He's like, even if you're not sure if it was negative, he said, write it down because we're going to forgive them. And I found out that it's far easier to forgive people than to carry the weight of bitterness. And so I began to just let it go and release and, and forgive. And, and I, just, I just had to break free from all of that. My soul needed some relief. The next thing I did, you see, I played golf on Thursday evenings. Now that's not for a joke. That was helpful for me. I walked along and I played golf and Made some friends on the golf course and we show up every Thursday at three o'clock. I'm, I'm out there. And if you text me at 3.30 on Thursday, you need to know you're not going to hear back from me because I'm playing golf. Not just because I need golf, but I need, I need to break the thoughts. I need, I need some relief. I want to encourage you. Find a hobby. Do something that, that helps you think different and gets out of your, your, your spin cycle. The next thing I did is I reduced the news and social media in my life. Like you just got to reduce it. I didn't want to be ignorant about what was going on in our world. So I would either read it or I would watch a segment, but I wouldn't dwell on it forever because at some point the news just repeats itself anyway. And so you can, you can catch it in about 30 minutes and be caught up and turn that stuff off. Social media. I, listen, I, I almost quit posting anymore. And, and, you know, because it's, it's just like it, it just drains me. If it doesn't give me life, why do it? And then I post something and I'm like, I wonder who liked it. And then I'm back into the spin cycle again because <laughs> you didn't like it. I'm like, why didn't they like it? It's a messy cycle. So I had to find soul care. Next, I, I worked on my body because, listen, it's all together. Everything works together. And so I exercised four to five days a week with weights and high intensity training. That was helpful for me. You put me on a treadmill and I'm just going to be bored walking along ruminating about everything. Like you got to put me some environment where I can't think about something else except for how heavy that is. And I just want to pick up heavy stuff and set it down and think about that. But, but when you get your health better, Listen, when I got stronger physically, it actually began to help my blood pressure. Imagine that. Lose a little weight helps. Then I regularly walked in the sunshine. Now, I didn't exercise walk. Harriet, if you go walking with her, she's an Olympic walker. She's got it going, man. You know, she got her headphones on and she's moving. Not me. I'm like this. Wow. You know what I do? I listen for the birds. I just want to hear a bird again. 
I just want to be connected. I just want to unhook from stuff and walk in the sunshine. I worked on my sleep routine. I used to be a terrible sleep routine person. I'd be up till midnight and then struggle to get out of bed in the morning. So I started taking two and a half grams of melatonin about an hour before I go to bed. It started improving my sleep cycle. It's amazing what eight hours of sleep will do for you in your life. I took my blood pressure meds. I want to encourage you. Listen, if the doctor's giving you meds, I'm not saying drop off of them, but I want you to know this. My goal in life is not to stay on those meds. Like I want to find everything I can and believe God for healing and process and do everything I can to move forward. So listen, I share all that with you. And I want you to know that as soon as I did everything like that, then instantly I was miraculously healed. See, you're laughing. You know, it's not true. It's not true. Over several months, I began to recover. And here's my encouragement for you, church, as I close down today. Is make a plan to improve. Take my ideas or get some ideas. But do something. Don't settle for that in your life. You know, find a way to, to move forward to the best of your abilities Listen, no one can do it for you either. Like, listen, no one's going no to come over to your house and say, hey, time to go to church today, let's go. No one's going to come over and go, hey, turn off the news and go outside and walk in the sunshine. No, listen, I'm encouraging to do your part. To, to find some, some methods to move forward in your life. And I want you to know you're not alone. There's a world of people that need this help. But most importantly, I want you to know that God is on your side. Back to 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, your soul, and your body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord. And he said in verse 24, The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. He will do it. He will do it. You do your part, he'll do his part. God will do it and God will get you through it. In my season of anxiety, I had to find my hope in God. Listen, I'm so grateful for the methods, but, but I needed the power of God in my life. I needed to know that my God was near. I needed to know that when I was in those dark moments sitting in the living room by myself that I wasn't alone, that He was with me. My God was faithful. My healing came from truth, not my feelings. And my healing came from His power that gave me the strength to make changes in my life. And I want you to make the changes. And I did it. I did my part. And God did it. He did his part. And by the grace of God, I didn't die. And by the grace of God, I, I, I didn't burn out. And by the grace of God, I didn't have a breakdown. And I want you to know that I'm here on this platform today, not as a perfect man, but as a man who's walked through some things. And I want you to have the hope that comes through Jesus Christ too. And he'll do it in your life. 
And I'm so honored that I get to be your pastor today, share my story, be a little vulnerable. But I share it not as a place of pity, but as a place of victory. Because he is good. Amen? Amen. Father, I pray for your church, God. Lord, I know I've run over, so Lord, it's going to be a quick prayer. Do your thing. Heal your people. Set us free. But God, I ask that you would give us the courage to make some changes. Go see a counselor. Do what it takes, God. Help us to get healthy by your strength and your power. In Jesus' name, amen, church.